Amen. Dear eternal God, our Father, we come to you this morning, God. We thank you and we praise you, God. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace, God. Thank you for your love and your compassion that you give us, God. God, we ask right now that, Lord, you will prepare our hearts, that you'll prepare our minds to receive your word, God. We thank you for all that you do, Father. We honor you this morning. And we come not on our own accord, God, but we come declaring the righteousness of God and what your word has to say to these, your people, God. God, I pray that it will accomplish that which it set forth, God. I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that it will fall on good ground, that people will be saved, they be delivered, they might be blessed, God. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen and thank God. Amen, amen, amen. God is a good God. He's a good God. As you know, we've been in this mini-series in the book of John. I said that we'd be in John for a while. The reason why I'm preaching out of the book of John because... John's gospel is a standalone gospel. It is not a synoptic gospel. It perpetrates and it pushes and it develops the deity of Christ. John's whole purpose is that we might believe. He doesn't talk about coming to church. He does not talk about having a form of godliness. But he's talking about that we might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Christ. And that's what this whole message in this series has been about. Believing that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no man can come to him except by Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, turn again with me to the book of John, the Gospel of John. With us having guests, kind of want to go back and just bring everybody up to speed to where we got where we are this morning. That would take a little bit too much time, so I'm just going to try and do an overview of where we've come from. In this third chapter of John's gospel, there's a man by the name of Nicodemus that comes to Jesus by night. Comes to Jesus needing an answer to a question that he never asked. But because Jesus understands and sees the heart, sees the intentions, sees the very thoughts, even before you think them, Jesus already knows. The good news is that Jesus knows exactly what you stand in need of. Even without you asking him. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've got some stuff from God that I didn't even ask for, that I didn't even know that I needed. But God knew that I needed it. 
And so that's the kind of God that we serve. Nicodemus is not just an ordinary man. Nicodemus is the best that religion and education and culture can buy. Again, I mentioned he's this renaissance man. He's a man that perhaps has more confidence in himself and his works than he does in God. And how many of us today are the same way is that we'll go to men before we'll go to God. We'll, we'll run to the doctor before we go to Dr. Jesus. We'll go to politicians before we go to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so here Nicodemus comes to Jesus and Jesus makes one thing plain to him. Nicodemus' whole mindset here is how he could see the kingdom of God. And Jesus confronts Nicodemus and his need. He confronts him and he tells him that before you can see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. There's no getting around it, Nicodemus. You must be born again. Now, in the mind of Nicodemus, I'm believing that this has got to be a, a problem with him. Because he really does not understand this whole concept of being born again or being born from above. In keeping with our theme of evangelism, there are times that we must confront people, come against their ideologies, come against their philosophies and present them with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so last week we talked about this infinite love that God has for us. And so we'll pick up right there. As a matter of fact, in our verse today, that we're going to include that verse, verse 16 as well. Let us read from the Gospel of John, the third chapter, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth come to the light, that his deeds might be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. In this, from this passage of scripture, 
I'd like to take this title this morning. Confrontation without condemnation. Confrontation without condemnation. We're living in a world that does not by its sheer nature honor God at all. As a matter of fact, you'll get pushback if you come presenting Jesus Christ in a public forum. One of the first things they want to establish is that there's a separation of church and state. And understand that that, that the evangelistic effort of the church has always been difficult. It has always had a pushback from the world. Even from the inception of the church on the day of Pentecost. Because right after the preaching at Pentecost, there arose persecution from the Jewish leaders. Primarily because of the fact that they did not think that God would include anybody other than Jews into this new religion. They were upset that the gospel was being presented to the Gentile nations. But understand that this had been prophesied. And it was going to happen whether they liked it or not. Nicodemus here represents the religious elite. As a matter of fact, in a broader sense, he, resent, he, 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 uh, uh, he represents all of Israel. There, 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 was some, there was some very prejudiced attitudes going on in, in, in Israel at that time. They felt as though they had the exclusive rights to God that they could determine who could come to God and who couldn't. And understand, brothers and sisters, that we do the same thing in our churches today. We, we, we only really want to bring in folk that look like us and that act like us. But understand that Jesus has tore down those walls and he's opened the gospel up to everyone to both Jew and Gentile, Greek and every other race. Bound and free people. The gospel message is there for all of us. And so here Nicodemus, perhaps confused, perhaps perplexed at this message that Jesus is preaching, and Jesus knows this about him. And so in John 3.16, he introduces him this love factor that he has for the world. Jesus did not say that, that for God so loved the Jews. He said for God so loved the world. And understand that in this, in this text and in the text to come, the word the world is everyone and everything that's included in the world. It is for all people. And so God has this love for us. It's a love that cannot be explained. It has no human explanation 
I mean, really, really, how can God love us like he had, like he does? I mean, because when you really begin to examine yourself and really begin to examine, you know, how you've treated God over the years, you don't deserve. Now, I don't deserve God's love. I, I, I don't care how much I do. I still don't deserve his love. Because I've been marred. I've sinned before God. As a matter of fact, I still sin. But God has told me that if I confess my sins, in other words, if I bring it to him, if I don't try and get out of my sin, and I come say, Lord, I've sinned before you. The Bible declares that he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is what Nicodemus needed. But before Nicodemus could really experience any of this, Nicodemus had to come to grips with the fact that he was a sinner. Before we can experience the life-saving and life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to come to grips with the fact that we're sinners. And that we don't deserve any of what God gives us. The problem in our world today is that we got far too many entitled folk out here. That, that, that God owe us to wake us up in the mornings. That he owe us to, to, to take care of us and to put food on our tables. And the reality of it is that most of us don't think that God is doing it. We think we're doing it ourselves. Just because God has given you the ability to go out and get a job and, 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 and to work these jobs and, and to get a paycheck. How in the world can you do it unless God gives you the ability to do it? Again, that's the prideful entitlement that we have in our nation today. We think we're doing it on our own. But we all need to come to grips that even after salvation, you're not doing it on your own. You have been blessed by God to have what you have. That, 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 listen, that's why it should be no problem with you turning around and blessing somebody else. Because you realize that it's not yours anyway. It all belongs to him. Nicodemus is perplexed. And so Jesus goes on and he explains to him this whole concept. In verse 17, he says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. Again, here we see the object of Jesus' affection is the world. God loved the world. And he did not come into the world to condemn the world. And that's absolutely true. This brings to mind a conversation that I had with a young man I was speaking with. We were talking about John 3, 16, how God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He said, well, well, well Brother Pastor, I got a problem with that verse. And I said, well, who could have a problem with that verse? That is probably one of the most powerful verses out there. He said, well, if God loved us so much, 
Then why does he send people to hell? I said, hey, yeah, that's a good question. I said, the reality of the matter is that God does not send people to hell. I said, let me explain it to you. I said, everybody that was born, that's born of a woman, is predisposed to hell. As a matter of fact, everybody that was born was born on our way to hell. The wages of sin is death. And all of us were born into sin. Whereas by one man, sin entered the world. That's, that man is Adam. Here, here's what I'm talking about. Because of what Adam did back in the garden, because of his sin, because he disobeyed God, that sin, which is the original sin, was transferred unto everyone that was born of a woman and a man. Because Jesus was born of a woman, but he was not born of a man, so therefore this does not apply to him. But I don't care how cute you are as a baby, how innocent you are as a baby, and I tried to explain this to him. I said, a child left them to themselves, the Bible says, will bring their mother shame. How does it bring them shame? Because you'll grow to sin. We must teach children to do the right thing. So the, so the reason why the son did not come into the world to condemn the world, because the world was already condemned. Just by the sheer nature of our sinfulness. We were already condemned to hell and destruction. But here's where God's love showed up. Because God stepped in the gap between your birth and your death. Jesus is right there in the middle. He's still in the middle. And what he's doing is he, he's trying to stop you from going to hell. That, that, that's his whole objective. That's the only reason why he came was to stop you from going to hell. It came out of his love. And the reason why we can't know it came out of his love, because he gave himself. I mean, come on, how, how many of us are really willing to die because of someone else's sin? I, I, I've seen people, and I've heard of people that have gone to prison because they won't snitch. There's, there, there's a law out there that you don't, you know, snitches get stitches. Well, listen here, let me tell you something. Jesus is the ultimate one that did not snitch. He took all of our sin upon him. He took that destruction. He took that condemnation upon himself. And he never uttered a mumbling word while he did it. He never complained about it. He never tried to escape it. He took Calvary all unto himself that we might experience the righteousness of God. The reality of it is that, 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 that we don't have any righteousness of our own. It all belongs to him.
He is the righteous one. But look at the transference on Calvary. He took our sin, that which was killing us, that which was sending us to hell, and he transferred his righteousness onto us. And this is what I tried to tell this young man. See, no, God, God really did us a favor. He does not send us to hell. You go to hell because you reject him. You go to hell because you rejected what he has done for you. You go to hell because you will not receive him. And here's the deal. It comes by a sincere belief in him. It's not by works of righteousness, which we've all done. I've tried to be righteous enough. And I failed miserably. I was the most miserable Christian. Or at least I thought I was a Christian. Trying to win God's righteousness. But it's only by the faith that I have in him that any righteousness can ever be applied to us. Because any righteousness that you bring are as filthy rags before the Lord. They don't mean anything in terms of you getting into the kingdom. God has the same message for us that he had for Nicodemus. You must be born again. Listen, God did not come to condemn the world or to judge the world. But he came that the world through him might be saved. Again, he says in verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son. Again, right there, three verses there, three, three times in this verse, he talks about believing. Believing, believing. In our booklet here, we have what's known as the Romans plan of salvation. And I hope that you take this home and you read it and you look at it and go through it. This is, this is actually tells us and shows us through scripture what it takes to, to become a Christian. We've tried to really map it out and explain it out to you so that you'll have scripture references of what it means to come into faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then if you see down at the bottom, in red, we have what has been known as the sinner's prayer. Now understand that all of this is good tools. They're good tools to get us to where we need to be at. But understand this, that it does not come by you uttering some words. It comes by you believing on the Son of God, the risen Son of God, and what he did on Calvary's cross. I'm, 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 listen, I'm afraid that there are some people that have prayed this prayer right here and did not even mean it from their hearts. And, and, as, and, as, and as the spiritual leader here, I don't want you to miss heaven because you're putting confidence in some words you spoke. Understand that salvation is of the heart. 
Here, here's, here's something that you need to know too, is that if you have been born again, you got reason to shout right now. Because salvation comes from God. It don't come from anybody else. It don't come because of you. It doesn't come because of your mama, your daddy. You cannot believe for somebody else. You got to believe for yourself. And if you are in a right relationship with God, the Bible said that he chose you before the foundations of the earth. That you were chosen by God. That, 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 that was a praise break right there. To know that God loved you so much that before he created your mama, your daddy, or anybody in this world, he chose you to be in Christ Jesus. Now, 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 now see, if I, was, if I was in a Pentecostal church, they'd be running and jumping and flipping and all kinds of stuff. Man, because we have been saved by the power of God. It's not predicated on what we've done or how good we've been. Because of what he's done for us. Aren't you glad about it? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah that I have not been condemned. God, you, you've even given me what it takes to believe in you, God. All, I, all I've done is I responded to your love that you have for me. I responded to you. I said yes and amen, amen to your word, God. That's, that's all I had to do. When, when, when I heard the word preached, when I heard the gospel preached, I said yes to you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Here he says, he says that if, that if we believe on him, we are not condemned. But listen here, the consequences behind not believing on him say that you're condemned already. As I said, it don't, you, you listen, you, you, God don't have to send anybody to hell. If you don't believe, you're already condemned to hell. And I, I know that the young man I was talking to also had a problem with hell. He had a problem with hell. I said, well, you got a problem with hell. The best thing that you can do is not go there. <laughs> just, just, just don't go to hell. You got a problem with it? Listen, I don't want to be around nowhere I got a problem with. If you don't want to go to hell, then don't go, don't, don't go there. God has already made straight the path. He's already made straight the way. And just the mere fact that we're talking, let me share this gospel with you. Let, let, let me tell you how you can escape hell. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then over 2,000 years ago, they nailed him to a tree. Nailed him in his hands, nailed him in his feet. Put a crown of thorns on his head. I ain't done yet, y'all. <laughs> I ain't done yet. I know y'all used to that gospel. See, no, no, hold on. Let, 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 me, let me get you here. Because we've been conditioned that the gospel must come to, at the end of a sermon. And that is not the case. As a matter of fact, every message should be surrounded around the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every time we open our mouths, we should have the gospel in mind. I don't care where I'm preaching from. 
I'm going to have the gospel in mind. But yeah, he died for the sins of the world. Was buried and hung. Rose on the third day with all power in, of heaven and earth in his hands. That, that, that's how you escape hell. That's how you escape hell. That's how you get out of that, That's your get out of hell free card. That Jesus purchased with his own blood. You don't have to go to hell. Here, 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 here. Here's the problem. He, he, he tells us what's the root cause of this condemnation. Verse 19, he says, and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light. That's the reason why. Because it's just natural for us in our natural state to like darkness. And this goes back to the garden. Because the Bible said that prior to sin, Adam walked with God. They had fellowship together. But once he sinned, what did he do? He hid himself. He went to a dark place. Why? Because he knew that he had sinned, that he had disobeyed God. And that's like most of us. Or should I say all of us that are still in our sin. That we don't want to be around the light. Because the light exposes our sin. Listen, I told you, you don't have to judge folk. If you just let your light shine, it'll convict their hearts. Oh, yeah. Let me, let me tell you something. When I was out there in my sin, when I was out there and I, and I was trying, straddling the fence and trying to you know, figure out how I'm going to do this, how I'm going to get in and how I'm going to get out and tiptoe and this, that, that. When I was out there in that time, there were certain brothers I didn't want to see coming. Because I knew they, they were walking upright and it always made me feel uncomfortable to be around them. And that, that's what your life should look like. Your life should be a light unto those who are without. You, you, you shouldn't even have to really open up your mouth. Just by the way that you're living your life, they ought to feel uncomfortable around you. But come on, if, 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 if sinful folk are comfortable around you, if they're comfortable around you, then maybe we got a problem here. You know, my objective is not to just make people feel uncomfortable. My objective is to live before God. My, my, my objective is to live a holy and a righteous life before God because I know that people are watching me as being a Christian. And my prayer and my hope is that they will glorify my Father which is in heaven based upon the works that they see from me. And that's what the light is. Jesus is that light. He is the light of the world. And he says that in the Gospel of Matthew. He is that light. There is darkness in this world. This is a dark world. The reason why it's a dark world because Satan is the god of this world. And the scripture tells us that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're still walking in darkness. And it's our responsibility as Christians is to lead them to the light. And how do you lead them in the light if you're still walking in darkness yourself? 
The Bible said that both of you will end up in a ditch. So how do we walk in the light? We walk in the light by walking in his truth. In his truth. Another conversation I had with another brother that had contemplated leaving the church because of us. Because of the way we do things. The way we handle things. Situations. And I told him, I said, listen, it's one thing to leave the church and go to another church. Because every church is not the same. But when you talk about just leaving the church outright, what you're doing is you're walking away from the truth. You need to be somewhere where you know that the truth is being spoken, the truth is being taught, and even if there are some imperfections in the people that are hearing the truth, don't worry about it. That reminds me of the story of the parishioner that told the pastor, say, Pastor, well, I'm leaving this church and I'm not coming back. He said, because when I look around, I see people over here gossiping and these people over here, you know, they're on their phones while you're preaching and these are talking while you're preaching this, that, and the other. And he said, okay. He said, well, listen, I'll tell you what. Before you leave, would you do me one favor? And she said, quite certainly. And he got a glass of water and filled it to the brim. He said, now I want you to walk around this church three times without spilling a drop. And so she did. She walked around. And after the third time, she came back to the pastor and said, I didn't spill a drop. He said, well, why didn't you spill a drop? She said, because I was focused on the cup. You missed it. You, you, You missed it. When you come in here, you need to be focused on the word of God. You need to lock in what God's word is saying to you. You can't be concerned with what folk are doing around you. You need to be focused on what God is saying to you in this word. That's that's what what we need to be at. You see, because we spend time focusing on God, we ain't got time to look at nobody else. He said that they don't want to come to the light because the deeds were evil. Verse 20 says, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. And that's part of the reason why. You know, I, I, I looked at a, a poll that talked about why people don't come to Christ and why they won't respond to the gospel message. And one of the main reasons was because they didn't want to give up their sin. They they, they didn't want to abandon their sin. You see, because before you can come to God, first you must recognize that you're in sin. And then you must love God more than you love your sin. That's that's how it comes into into play, is that you got to love God enough. To where you say, I'm done with my sin. That's that's what he's really saying here. 
The world does not want to give up their sin. They don't want to give up their deeds, their evil deeds. They don't want to let them go. But understand that your evil sins, your evil deeds are going to lead you to condemnation. Going to lead you to hell. And I know it's not popular. Ain't too many preachers still preaching about hell. Understand that my primary message is not hell. Because I don't want anybody to go to hell. It's not God's will that anybody go to hell. I want to preach to you the love of God. That God loved you enough that he caused you, give you the ability to escape hell. He said that when that does evil hateth the light. They hate Jesus. This world is a, is a Jesus-hating world. But look at here. Even though the world hates him, it still said, for God so loved. That's what I'm saying. You can't explain God's love. I mean, how many of us can, can love people that actually hate you? Hey, that, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. But here, even though these people hated the light, they hated Jesus, they hated what he represented, but yet God so loved the world that he gave, he sacrificed himself that we might have a right to the tree of life. Here it is. Here's the connection. Connection is in verse 21. But he that doeth truth Coming to the light, that his deed might be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So he who comes to the truth of God's word. Well, what is the truth? Thy word is true. If you're looking for truth, you need to establish it in the word of God. They that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. The truth of the matter is that mankind is unrighteous and on his way to hell. And God is righteous and has provided a way of escape. That, that's the basic premises of the entire body, Bible. That man is unrighteous. He proves it in the Old Testament. And then he proves his love for us in the New Testament. That's truth. And there's so many heresies that are going forth now. But understand this. The Bible said that in the end time that we would not endure sound doctrine. But we would give ourselves over to seducing spirits, having itching ears. We want to hear what we want to hear. That which is going to tickle our fancy. That's what's going to make us feel good. Listen, in, in, in my witness, I told, I told, I, I, listen, I was telling, let me tell you something, man. If you're looking for one of them churches where you're going to feel good and we're going to, you know, just, just celebrate and hallelujah, this, that, and the other, that's good and fine. But my main objective is to give you what you need to live a right that's up light up right down here that you might be able to go out and make other disciples that you might be able to go out and win others to Christ that all of us might gain eternal life 
All of this Chinese food people eating in these churches. No, we got some soul food today. We got something that's going to be good for your ribs. Go stick to your ribs. You know, this is food that's going to carry you from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and on back into Sunday. Because my prayer is that, is, that, is, that, is that I say something that will provoke you to think. That, that, that's, that's my hope. You need to think about what I just said. You need to hear what I'm saying. Because this is Bible. This is biblical. And so this is the end of this discussion between Nicodemus and Jesus. And even though we do not have anything in text that tells us that Nicodemus ever received Christ, we, like I said, we do see him two more times. One time defending Jesus, and then the next time assisting in the burial of Jesus' body after he was crucified. But history tells us that Nicodemus did get saved that Nicodemus actually became a martyr for Christ. Now, there's nothing we can do. I mean, we have nothing to validate the history, but that's what the history text tells us. And just looking at what he did in Scripture afterwards would lead us to believe that Nicodemus did receive Christ. And much in the same way, this whole world benefits from that. Because if God can save Nicodemus, a man like Nicodemus, he can save anybody. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. Let me speak for myself. If God can save me, he can save anybody. If God looked at me with an eye of compassion and chose me before the foundation of the earth, that he was going to live his life through me. I'm glad about it. Because I know that I was a wretch on my way to hell. Listen here, I even know after salvation, I've had my struggles. I've had my problems. I've had my issues. And just like Paul said in the seventh chapter of Romans, that which I would to do, I do not. And the things that I should be doing, I'm not doing. Oh, what a wretched man am I. This is what he said. This is his testimony. But glory to God. Chapter number eight opens up and it says, therefore, there is therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. The operative word is being in Christ Jesus. I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. So therefore, I'm experiencing everlasting life. I have everlasting life. Can never be taken away from me. All because Jesus, what he did for me. Because y'all used to it. He died. One Friday. They took him to Calvary. He died for the sins of humanity. He died for you. He died for me. If it had just been me, Christ would have still died for me. Can't you see him how he stretched forth his arms? They nailed him in his hands. Nailed him in his feet. 
pierced him in his side, put a crown of thorns on his head. He suffered blood and died on Calvary's cross. He gave up the ghosts. They buried him in a tomb. He stayed there for three days. But early on the third day, he rolled with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. And based upon that, I have eternal life. I've been saved. Glad that I was confronted, but not condemned. Please, if you would, stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. He rose with all power in his hand. Heaven and earth. The power of unto salvation. Is there one that would like to come? If you're out there, you're in the valley of indecision. Today is the day. Amen. Glory to God. Today is the day. Today is the day. Don't, don't leave them behind. Is there another? This is the day that the Lord has made. Tomorrow is not promised to you. Salvation is free to all. It's free to all. Come on, come on, come on. Amen. It's free to all. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. My story. Come on, is your storage empty? Listen, God is willing to fill you. He's willing to fill you with his spirit. If you would just come. God can and will do the rest. You might as well come. You might as well come. This is your opportunity. Amen, 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 amen. You may be seated. Amen. Yeah, it's all right. Glory to your name, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. that you sit prayerfully. Come on, while you're at it, just put your hands together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise for these that have come. Listen, I told them in Bible study, I said, listen, God is going to build this church how he wants to build it. He's going to build it the way he wants to build it. He declared 
that this is my church and the very gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God's building his church. Glory to God. Glory to your name, Lord. Thank you, God. He's worthy. He's worthy. Good afternoon, church. To Pastor Minor and the entire uh, Macedonia Baptist Church, we have coming uh, by Christian experience, Ebony Robbs, and she's coming from Unity Baptist Church. Amen. We also have her son, Isaiah, Isaiah um, Quicks, and he's coming as a candidate for baptism. Amen. And the young man beside him is his support system. That's his friend. <laughs> we also have coming Sharice Hamilton, and she's coming from El Beto, Baptist Church as a, a Christian experience. What'd you say your name? Marcus. Okay, we have Marcus O'Neill, and he's coming as a candidate for baptism. Amen, amen. Please stand to your feet. Sister Cherise, we had some discussion, and... Uh, we thank God for you. We trust that God is leading you. Amen. Amen. And I know your struggle, God knows. And he's going to do something. All right? It's a step of faith that you took. All right? All right. God bless you. Ebony, we had discussion today after Sunday school. And I see you brought Isaiah. Listen, let me tell you, this young man here blessed my heart. He told me, he said, I remember, I heard you preach last, was it last week? He said, I don't really remember what you preached, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> so he just blessed my heart. But listen, we trust that you're coming. My Christian experience means that you have experience as being a Christian, that you have already accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, that you've already been blood washed, water baptized. Amen. Amen. Isaiah, we're going to baptize you. And listen, he can be a support, but he can't go down in the water with you. All right? We can have him come and watch, but he got to come down for himself, okay? All right. God bless you. Okay. Brother Marcus, God bless you, man. You know I love you, man. Amen. Amen. We have been praying for you, man. We have been praying for you. And we're believing that God is going to do a work, man. I, I, I don't. Listen, I know God is a healer. I know that he is a healer. He comes to heal all manner of diseases and infirmities. He can do it. If you have the faith, we'll join with you in that faith. God will do the healing. Amen. God bless you. Love you. You said you want to be baptized too? How come you didn't tell the lady when she came to you? Huh? She passed you? Listen, we ain't gonna, we, we, listen we're not going to take it. We, we, we're not going to turn anybody away. You know, I mean, if, if you're coming, if you're coming, listen, you're coming because you want God to do something in your life, okay? You can't come because he can't, all right? 
you got to come for yourself. You got to say, God, I want you to do something. You know that? Okay, so you, 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 you down with that? All right. Okay. Let's do this. Give his name. All right, church. This is what the Lord is doing. Amen. Amen. All right, listen, we're going to have you go with Reverend Register. He's going to have prayer with you. He's going to have you fill out some paperwork. Have your picture taken as well. Make sure you get your picture taken before you leave, okay? And then we'll uh, take you in at the right hand of fellowship. And if we can get you in the time, we'll... Oh, you want to just tell me his name? So we have Julian Logan, and he's coming as a candidate for baptism. All right. Thank you. All right. I'm going to ask you to go with Reverend. Follow him. Follow him. Reverend Register. Reverend Register one. All right. Come on. Give the Lord a hand cap of praise. You know, uh, <clears throat> when I was in my prayer before I came out here this morning, uh, that was my prayer, is that, God, you prepare the hearts of people and prepare the minds of people that they might be able to receive your word and that they might be able to have a bl the blessing and the benefit of receiving your word. And this is the blessing in it. This right here, these ones that have came to give their lives to Christ. The reality of it is, is that's what this is really all about. It's about winning people for Christ's sake. That God might be glorified. And God is doing this thing. I don't, I don't know if you can see it or not, but God, God is doing this, man. This has not come by human effort, but this came by the, the hand of God. And I'm just so grateful. I am. I'm grateful for that. All right, if all hearts are satisfied, and we know that Jesus Christ is Lord, then I ask you to please stand to your feet. Those who desire prayer, come down to the throne of grace. eternal God our Father we come to you this morning God with a sense of gratitude in our hearts God Lord we are so grateful to you Father we're grateful Father first and foremost for your faithfulness God God we thank you so much God for your faithfulness 
because it was you God that decided that we needed a savior and we understand that in due time you sent your son into the world to give his life a ransom for us God oh Lord where would we be with, without your son and his finished work upon the cross Father God secondly we come thankful God that you saved us Father that you chose us before the foundations of the earth to be in Christ Jesus Lord Thank you, Lord, for everyone that's here today, Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for everyone that is in Christ Jesus. And second and thirdly, God, we come to you, Lord, thankful that you've given us the gospel message to take it to this dying world, Father. I pray that, God, you'll empower us that when we depart from this place, that God will go and spread your word, Father. Yes. 